0: Truly glad to be back at King's Grant Baptist Church. I missed you. And so I thank the Lord for the opportunity to be here. I've already been greeted by several of you. It's just a privilege to have the opportunity to share with you. And the day is good. The day is bright. The day is happy. I see smiles. How many of you are smiling this morning? I hope so please smile because the Lord is very good to us now I have a real pleasure in life because one of the things that I love doing is telling stories now I love it and most of the time the people around me love it most of the time (laughs) I think probably my daughters and my wife get tired of some of my stories. My daughters used to have numbers. They would say, Dad, tell us number seven. (laughs) Dad, tell us number 12. (laughs) I'm serious because we love to tell stories. I love to tell stories. I love to tell stories about people. I love to tell stories about experiences. I love to tell stories about my experiences that have been thrilling and difficult and harsh and happy Exciting and threatening and dangerous and all of those kinds of things. But the main kind of story that I love to tell is what I call God stories. Now, I hope you have some God stories. God has blessed me with many God stories. And by that, I mean the blessing of his intervention into my life with something that is blessing or challenging or or great that he has given me or a story that comes from his scriptures, a story that comes from his story because his story is full of God's stories. Uh, A gentleman from uh, this congregation just two or three weeks ago gave me a very interesting statement, which I appreciated, and I will tell you why. He he said, after one of our services, in which I had told uh, a long story about uh, what was in Scripture, he said, Don, I want you to know that one of the things that you need to put on your resume is that you're an excellent, inspirational storyteller. Now, that was a very affirming kind of statement to me. Uh, I will tell you that In the maturity of my life which the the Lord has given me, I don't always have to have affirmation. I don't always have to have approval. And sometimes people don't approve of me. And if I'm in the Lord, I'm okay with that. However, when somebody says something to me, you or somebody else in the congregation of that sort, where he said, you are really good at telling inspirational, that's a key word, stories that tells me that there was inspiration to this gentleman that tells me that my story or the way i told the story was beneficial a blessing to him and so i really appreciated that and so today i have a very powerful story to tell you now i hope you know this story so i'm going to say i have a very a privilege to reminds you of a very powerful story but this story as you listen to it I want you to listen to it with depth with prayer with openness to the Holy Spirit for what the Holy Spirit will say to you as I will have openness to what the Holy Spirit says to me because in this story There are lessons upon lessons upon lessons upon lessons. There are things about our Heavenly Father and His ways that I need to take and you need to take. They are for you individually. They are for your families. They are for this church. Now, this story was hundreds, even thousands of years ago. I would say it's probably 3,500 years ago, but it is just as real and powerful today as it was when it took place many, many, many years ago. So we don't just tell stories for them to be interesting or entertaining or anything like that, although they are sometimes. But I want for myself and for you and for Kings Grant Baptist Church, I want you to see what God is saying to us with this powerful story. This is a story about a struggling people, but it's also a story about a chosen people as we are. It is a story about God's primary chosen people, the Israelites, the Jewish people. This is a story of power from the Old Testament, which I love the Old Testament, I love the New Testament. And this story is long standing all the way from Abraham all the way through the, the pages of history up to the very, very, very present day. But I'm going to pick up this story at a very crucial point. Because this is after the captivity in Egypt. This group of people had spent 400 years In Egypt as slaves. And God had delivered them through many, many experiences of plagues and heartaches. And they had escaped from Egypt, you know that. They had come to the Red Sea. The Red Sea had opened under God's power. They had gone through the Red Sea. The Red Sea had returned and completely annihilated all of the armies and the men and the chariots of the pharaoh of egypt you know that story they the children of israel had then wandered in the wilderness for some time having many experiences both good and bad very difficult but they were headed to a very important place they were headed to the promised land to canaan This was the land that God had promised them for hundreds of years, that that was their land, as it still is today. And they were going there under God's ordination, and they were to possess the land, to move into the land, to enjoy the land, to be blessed in the land. And I pick up the story at a point where Moses, the leader of the Israelites during this time, God had said, Moses picked 12 men. And those 12 men are to go into the land of Canaan and they are to explore the land and they are to see what the land is like. They are to see what the cities are like, what the people are like, what the crops are like. We want to know what this land is like because we've never, ever been there. So you go and explore the land for 40 days and come back and give Moses says me a report our assembly of of our nation, a a report. And off these 12 men went into Canaan. And they spent the 40 days. And they gathered things, crops, uh, samples of the land. They found out about the people. When they returned to Moses and the children of Israel, that was a real difficult time. 12 men had been there for 40 days. And they came back to Moses and they said, we're not sure about this. At least 10 of them said this. 10 of them said, those people are are mighty. They are fortified in their cities. Their cities are huge. And the people are strong and their armies and their warriors are strong. And we're not sure that we can have this land. Now there were two of the men. Caleb and Joshua. And they intervened into this discussion. This was taking place. Back in the camp of the Israelites. And they intervened into this discussion. And they said no. God has given us this land. God has said that it is ours. And if and as we please him and he is with us then we can take this land they were saying that not only to moses but to the whole camp of israel what did the whole camp of israel say and do they said no we want to stone caleb and joshua we want to kill them because we are terrified In fact, Moses, why did you bring us into this terrible land? We need to find another leader and go back to Egypt. That's what the people of Israel said. Although God had said, this is your land and you may go in and you are to go in. Caleb and Joshua are saying, we need to follow the Lord. And the people wanted to kill these two men. And so now God is angry. Now, I hate to even talk about this because God is so angry that he told Moses, I'm going to destroy all of these people. I'm going to annihilate them with a plague because they've grumbled against me. They have shown contempt to me and they have displeased me. Now, that's heavy in my heart because I don't see God as a vengeful God, but I see God as a God of wrath when his will is thwarted. And now he's saying to Moses, I'm going to destroy the nation of Israel. Moses says, Lord, no, please. And Moses appeals to him with passion and reasons with him and asks him to please not create this kind of Destruction. God says, all right, I'm going to forgive them. But they have shown contempt to me. They have grumbled. You know what the word grumble means? They've complained. They've whined. They've gone away from God's ways. And God is saying, they've grumbled against me. And I cannot abide by that. I will forgive them. But you will have to spend 40 more years in the wilderness. And not only will you have to spend 40 more years in the wilderness. But all of the men 20 years of age and above will die during this 40 years. None of these men that have shown contempt toward me, God said, are grumbled against me. Will be able to go into the promised land. They will die as, we, as you wander in the, in the wilderness. And so it was. Now God still took care of the people. Caleb and Joshua were a part of this group. Remember those two young men. They were probably in their late 30s or right around 40. When they were spies into to Canaan. And now they're wandering in the wilderness with these older men, some of their fathers and uncles and brothers. And they were dying because of the sin and the grumbling and the contempt that they had shown to Almighty God. But now, and even Moses dies, Moses did not get to go into the promised land. But now it's time. Forty years later is where we're going right now. Forty years they've been wandering in the wilderness. Forty years they have grieved over the deaths of all these people in their nation. Forty years Caleb and Joshua have agonized knowing that 40 years ago they should have gone into the promised land. Now it's time. Moses is gone, buried mighty man that Moses was but he missed the promised land. And now Joshua. Joshua is the leader of the Israelites. And God has said Joshua I'm going to be with you and you're to be strong and courageous and follow me. And now it's time for you to cross Jordan and to go into the promised land. And that's where We follow the scriptures now in the third chapter of Joshua. Because we're going to see these people led by Joshua step into the water. And again, I ask you to take the lessons that are a part of all this that God's word is, is saying to us. Because as Bob read for us a moment ago. Joshua and all of the nation of Israel moved to the area of Shedom and camped at the Jordan. And Joshua told all the leaders, the officers of the nation to go about through the people of Israel and tell them to look for the Ark of the Covenant carried by the priest And when you see it, you're to follow it because you haven't ever been this way before. Now, I want you to think with me about these phrases and what these people were doing. I want you to think with me about what was the ark. I don't know that we know much about the ark. It is nowhere to be found in this day. It has been gone since the Babylonian captivity back in the Old Testament. But during this day of the Israelites and Joshua and Caleb, and as they're about to move into the promised land, the ark represented the very presence of Almighty God, the spirit of God, the leadership of God. There's a word called the Shekinah glory that was a part of the glory of Almighty God that was in the ark and was a part of the ark. And within the box called the Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments and the law by which these Israelites lived. It was the most sacred item that they had. And Joshua is saying, you look at that Ark and when it moves out in front of you, you follow it. Why? Because you haven't ever been this way before. And as you follow it, then you will know where To go. Now listen to me Kings Grant. We don't have the ark anymore. We don't have that box sitting in front of us. But what do we have? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the presence of Jesus Christ in our life. We have him. Showing us his will. And I'm going to tell you that as you as I, as we, as Kings Grant, as you as a Christian man or woman in your families, God will take you to places where you've never been before. In fact, that's part of God's plan. We're not supposed to go where we've always been. We're supposed to go out and follow God's will. And He will show us Even places that make no sense. Even places that are not a part of your preferences or my preferences. Do you understand that God's kingdom and God's church. It's not up to me. It's not up to you. It's up to him. And we're to follow him just like. Joshua told them to follow the Ark of the Covenant because it's going to take you places where you've never been before. And following the Ark is the only way that you'll know where to go and how to go. And then the next thing Joshua said to the people of Israel is consecrate yourself because tomorrow God is going to do amazing things In you and for you. Now I want you to think about that. We have a heavenly father. That wants to do amazing things. For you. And for me. And for this church. But what is our responsibility? Joshua said to his people. Under God's leadership. Joshua said. Consecrate yourself. Now. Pay attention to that word just a moment. Joshua didn't say the Lord is going to consecrate you. Joshua didn't say the Lord is going to change you. What does the word consecrate mean? It means to obey, to submit, to commit yourself To the ways of God to consecrate, to abandon yourself and turn your life over to him. Joshua said, consecrate yourself because tomorrow God's going to do amazing things. Remember, he says the very same thing to you and me. We are to commit ourselves and we are to obey and we're to do it his way. Not my way, not our way. And then... He's going to do amazing things for us. Then Joshua spoke to the people and said, the Lord is going to use the Ark of the Covenant. The Lord is going to lead you. And God said to Joshua, Joshua, today I am going to exalt you the same way I exalted Moses so that these people will know that I am with you. And then God said something very powerful, unreal, and nonsensical to Joshua. He said, Joshua, you're to tell the priests that, that are carrying the Ark of the Covenant that when they go down to the edge of the waters of the Jordan River, that they are to stand in the river. Now, does that make sense? No one of the reasons it it doesn't make sense is because a little later in this chapter we're told that the jordan river was at full flood stage now sometimes the jordan river is a little weak sort of like a creek i don't know about you but i'd be okay standing in the creek but this is flood stage i've never been in a flood I've seen waters that were like a flood. I've seen TV things. I know that to stand in a flood stage river makes no sense whatsoever. But Almighty God said, Joshua, told those priests that they're to go and stand in the river. And then Joshua looked at all the people and he said, I want you, all the people of Israel to listen to the words of the Lord. Now, isn't that what we need to do? I'm asking you to listen to the words of the Lord this morning. I'm asking that we abide by the words of the Lord, that we follow the words of the Lord. And Joshua said, come here and listen to the words of the Lord. And then he went on to say, As you see the Ark of the Covenant, now realize how many times he refers to the Ark, to the Ark, to the Ark, to the Ark. Because that was where they got their leadership. As you and I get our leadership, or need to get our leadership, from the Holy Spirit in this church, in our own lives. So he said, if you will pay attention to the Ark, Joshua is speaking to the nation of Israel, then you will know... That God is with you and is going to go into the promised land ahead of you. And by that, all of these enemy parties, the Canaanites, the Hevites, the Gergashites, the Jebusites, all of these will be defeated. Because God is with you. You do not have to be afraid of them as we heard 40 years ago. That we had to be afraid. You must know that God is going to go there before you. And that you will know that the Ark of the Covenant is going to go into the river before you. Remember, because the priests are going to step into the water and go stand in the middle of the river. Now, here we have. This whole flood stage river flowing in front of the people of Israel. We have the Ark of the Covenant. We have millions of Jewish people on the eastern bank. They're on the east side of the Jordan River. Canaan, the promised land, is on the west side. Now they are to go across and they got this flood stage river right in front of them I would love to have been there to watch those priests with the ark of the covenant come down to the edge and here's the flood stage the water is flowing who knows how fast and with what power and they stand there and they look at this water and they know what Joshua has said. I imagine some of the priests didn't want to do what they were about to do. I imagine many of the people behind them and the nation of Israel were terrified at this experience. This water is flowing. It has not eased up a bit. Why? Because God said you got to step into the water. Folks, I want to say to you that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that those priests could have stayed right there on the edge of that river forever. And it would have continued flowing. It would have continued rushing on by. But God said, step into the water. And what happened? What happened was exactly what Joshua had told was going to happen. What happened was exactly what God had promised. That he was going to go before them. And the water coming down the river piled up in a heap this way. The water going on down the river went right on down the river and now the priest and the Ark of the Covenant were standing in the middle of the river. And not only were they standing in the middle of the river now I want to say this that I believe it just as sure as I'm standing before you they were standing on dry ground. God's amazing work for his kingdom and for his glory. And the rest of this story tells us that all of the nation of Israel passed by on this dry ground. On what God had provided and stepped into the promised land. Now they had much more to do. We don't have time to go into that today, but much, much more to do. But after all of these years, after hundreds of years, after 400 years in Egypt, after all of the wanderings, after 40 years that they had spent, now Joshua, along with Caleb's help, were leading this group of people into the promised land. But if they had not, and I know this just as surely as I'm standing here, if they had not stepped into the water. They would have not gone into the promised land. Now, remember. What are the lessons here for me? What are the lessons here for you? What are the lessons here for Kings Grand? What are the lessons here for God's kingdom? What are the lessons here for every church that exists? This kingdom, which we claim to be a part of, doesn't belong to me. (laughs) I am privileged to be a part of it. But there are requirements, and part of the requirement is I do it the way Almighty God says to do it. I don't do it the way I happen to want to do it. I have to step into the water, I have to live by faith. I have to live by trusting what God has led us. And sometimes I don't particularly like it. Sometimes you don't particularly like it. And sometimes my humanness wants to grumble. But what happened to the people that grumbled 40 years prior to this story that we're speaking of today? They didn't make it to the promised land. They angered almighty God. He wanted to destroy them and he didn't right away. But the grumbling and the complaining that you and I do sometimes. You know who's happy about that? Satan. Because when we grumble about God's kingdom and God's church and we grumble about God's will there's one person that sits over on the sidelines and smiles and rubs his hands together and says, I got him. And that is Satan himself. And I don't know about you. But I don't want to walk hand in hand with Satan. I don't want to please Satan. I want to please my heavenly father. And I will admit that there have been times in my life where I've grumbled and said, oh, I don't want that or I don't like that. But I am committing to the Lord and to you that that is something that I have put away. And if it comes back in, I work on it and put it away. I'm not perfect. I promise you I'm not perfect. But I want... To please my heavenly father. And I want to be a part of work. And ministry. And missions. And church. And fellowship. And be a disciple. All the things that we've talked about. And the only way I know to do that. Is to step into the water. Now I want you to think about that for a little bit. You know what I say to you when I have the privilege of being here. I don't want to say these words and just let them lay around on the floor. I don't want to say these words and just say, well, okay, I've done my little bit. I want them to mean something to Almighty God. And I want them to mean something to you and to your family and to your Christian life. And I want them to mean something to this church. Because this is God's church. This church is the church of Jesus Christ. That he established on himself. And to do anything less than what we're talking about. Is completely wrong to him. And so right now. As we move toward the conclusion of this time together. I want you to think. I want you to have a time of silence while Kenny plays a little bit on the piano. I want you to think about what God is asking you and this church to do as far as stepping into the water. In my mind right now, standing in this place, I am celebrating the fact that those people of Israel, hundreds of years ago, Walked into the promised land on dry ground. Just like King's grant can walk into the promised land. And fruit can be born in this place in a godly way if you and I will step into the water. Please bow your heads and please think about what God would want to say to you, to us, about his will as we follow him. Father, we are so very thankful for your love. We're so thankful for your will. We're so thankful for your stories. We're so thankful for the challenges, for the conviction, for the leadership. We're so thankful that you love us and invite us to walk this journey with you. To know that you are almighty God and that you know. Maybe we don't know, but you know the way. And that as we commit ourselves, as we consecrate ourselves, as we submit, as we obey, as we look at your Holy Spirit. As we live the Jesus Christ life. As we step into the water, then we move in your will. And that is such a privilege. Lord, help us, every one of us individually, collectively, help us in our families, help us in Kings Grant Baptist Church to be your people doing it your way with joy and fellowship and absolute deep abiding gratitude in our hearts bless these people father and we thank you and we pray in the wonderful name of jesus christ amen go in peace